Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I hope we've taken notes of all those announcements. Let's just quickly go to the Word of God and uh, we close after that, after one or two other things. Let's pray. Eternal Father, we are grateful for we belong to you. We know that you've prepared all that we need to excel, not only in this world, but to have a life full into all eternity. Thank you for all the blessings we've enjoyed this morning into the afternoon. Thank you, Father, for what you've prepared for us today. Once again, accept our thanks and praise, Father, in Jesus' name. Above all things, I pray you will speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us in the way we will understand. <clears throat> Make it individual, O oh God. I know you're speaking to a group of people, but we would like you to speak to us as individuals. And at the end of it, Lord, we shall return all the honor and glory to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' most wonderful name we pray. Amen. Good afternoon once again, everyone. Uh, just in the short time ahead of us, uh, we're continuing our month of peace. Uh, sorry, month of mercy. I think it's that your peace on peace that's uh, hallelujah. Uh, so this is the month of mercy, and we've... Um, done a few weeks already in the study on mercy. Uh, so today we just look at uh, another dimension of mercy and what I titled the pillars of mercy. The pillars of mercy. I will make that clear in a moment. Um, I don't think this is just a topic for a month. I believe what God wants to do is to start a new lifestyle in us. It's just that this month is the beginning of it. And we started seeing some traits of it that were ordained for mercy. And I'm believing God that more of that is still going to come along in Jesus' name. So uh, let that be our focus, that God is starting us on a new path in which all our days, mercy will be what we will enjoy, and mercy will be what we will give unto others as well. Now, without taking much of our time, I'm going to keep the message very short for some reasons that will be obvious to you later is that the first leg that I would call the first leg or the first pillar of mercy is what I call the benevolence of God. Uh, the benevolence of God. And the benevolence means the kind-heartedness, ability to bless, ability to do good. And God is very full in that. Turn with me to Psalm 103, and I read verse 8. Psalm 103, verse 8. So one of the legs, one of the pillars upon which mercy stands is... The fact that God is a benevolent God. In Psalm 103 verse 8, in the New King James Version, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. Amen? Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. God is abounding in mercy. This topic about mercy is not something abstract and it's so difficult to understand unless you see practical example of mercy in your life or in the life of others. So very quickly, I will look into the scripture and pick a few examples of how God demonstrated that verse that was read unto us. That is, that God is merciful, he is gracious, he is slow to anger. Thank God for that one. I don't know about you. Thank God that he's slow to anger. And he's abounding in mercy. The old King James Version says he's plenteous in mercy. Plenty of mercy. 
And how do I know that? We just keep throwing words around without any proof. You go back to the Bible. And you find out that that is the number one characteristic of God in dealing with human beings. Without his mercy, Jesus would not come. Without his mercy, that would have been the end of story after Adam's sin. Without his mercy, even the lifting of curse, as it were, joining childbirth upon women, will have still remained. Because Timothy later on mentioned unto us that he that believe that hard labor shall be removed. And that's why if you are pregnant in the house, or your pregnancy is coming, I can assure you the day of your delivery will be a smooth one. It's because of the mercy of God, simply because of his mercy. So many things that we should have suffered, we're not suffering them because God is a merciful. In 1 Kings chapter 21, 1 Kings 21, I mean, if you were to rate you know, the, the, the kings in Israel, um, I don't know, I've, I've mentioned to you before, I love studying the kings. I mean, they, they, they just tell me a lot more of how, about how to behave myself. Who will you call about the best king apart from David? Apart from David, amongst the smaller kings? Josiah, good. I'll probably say Josiah. Probably you will say Ezekiah or probably you will say Uzziah. There are quite a number of them. Very good kings. I mean, Josiah was standing out because he was the one who restored the Passover. Josiah um, took the idols out of the temple. Um, Josiah rebuilt the temple. He did many things. He brought back the law book. So he practically a complete package. Now, who will regard as the worst king in Israel? The worst of all. Hey, uh, eh? Jeroboam, eh? Eh? Herod, all right, eh? Or Nebuchadnezzar, Manasseh, eh? Ezekiah's son, you can't remember. <laughs> I'll probably say Manasseh was the worst king. I say after him came Ahab. But let's look at this man that was supposed to be the second worst king, if not the worst. Some of you might say, you know, I wish when we get to heaven, they will do a roll call, you know, and tell us who is who. Who knows? By then, mercy could have covered it. Who knows? Who knows? Now, in 1 Kings chapter 21, let's go there and just look at this awesome God. Uh, let me read from verse 25. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because is because Jezebel, his wife, what? Steered him up. And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Can you imagine? There's no one like Ahab. Up to that point, he was the worst king ever. But that's another statement that shocked me down the road. In verse 29, he then was talking, the Lord was then talking unto Elijah. Let's go to verse 28. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. <clears throat> because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. That is, in the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. You know what that means? If the son behaves himself, it will pass from him too. But he said, but for Ahab, this bad king... I will, that's my own word now, I will show him mercy. I don't know how bad you have been, mercy can still reach you. I don't know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what anybody could do. I've shared with you before, one of the painful things for us as believers is that you see people that have hurt us, people that have probably done a lot of things to our families, and down the line, they find Jesus and they get born again and they go to heaven. I don't know about you, humanly speaking, it doesn't feel very good. And that's why my elder sister used to say, 
Your number one duty is to make sure that the witch does not do you harm. <laughs> because the witch might get born again and go to heaven. So you're protecting yourself. It's your own business. Hallelujah. So the mercy of God knows no limits. Can I hear amen unto that one? Oh, yes. What about those who have done that? What about those that are ordained unto perdition? Well, what simply will happen is that they will not do number two that I will tell you later. But if anyone will seek God's mercy, I can 100% assure you, as long as God of Israel lives, the person will find mercy. And that is the mind-boggling thing. If God wants somebody, peradventure, he has ordained somebody to never enjoy mercy, the person will not find the place to seek that mercy. That's the only way out. But if there's an inkling in your heart, I don't know how far you've gone, something is staring in your heart to go back to God and seek mercy, that means you are not ordained to perdition. That means heaven is for you. That means somehow, somehow, there is hope for you. Even if it's an occasional thought in your heart, I say, ah, this thing that I've done, oh God, ah, is there not, many are not coming back to the Lord, they thought that God would take them. What the liar of the liar, hallelujah. He took her back, and he can take any back. In John chapter 8, verses 1 to 12, another good example there. Uh, John chapter 8, verses 1 to 12. Hallelujah. That was the story of a woman who was caught in adultery. You know the story? And the teachers of the days and the elders and the rest of them, they brought this woman to the Lord Jesus. In verse 3 of chapter 8 of John, then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Caught in adultery. No way, no case. In fact, she was tossed as far as we were concerned. But Jesus shocked them all. And he started telling them that if all of you have not been enjoying mercy, you will not even have been able to bring this woman here. He said, of his mercy, because of his mercy, we are not consumed. In John chapter 4, verses 17 to 18, John 4, 17 to 18, there was the case of another woman there who was not very clean at all. Because down the line in verse 13, John chapter 4, now Jesus, our Lord, was asking this woman, that how she should go and bring her husband. You remember the story? And the woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, how many husbands do you have? He said, five. He said, well, even the one that you have is not your husband. And rather than that, Jesus made this woman to be converted. The power to forgive is still within. We're talking about the serious cases. And yours might not be a serious case. Yours might just be a subtle case. Let me tell you a subtle case, but also serious. Do you know that Solomon, whom God promised in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 11 to 13. Pull that up for me quickly, please. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 11 to 13. We're talking about God is the benevolent God. I'm telling you the obvious things you know, but I'm referring to you so that it comes back to your mind to know that you're serving a God that is very merciful. And it shall be when your days are fulfilled. was talking to David there. When you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. Verse 13, I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from me, from him. As I took it from him who was before you. Who was before David? God says in the life of Solomon, he will not take his mercy away from you. Let me give you one prayer point every morning. Pray that, Lord, don't take your mercy away from me. 
Don't stop being merciful to my children. Don't stop being merciful to my children's children. If you pray such prayer, you are fixed. And that's awesome. Do you know that statement was true? That God never took his message away from, um, from um, what do you call his name? From Solomon. I prove it to you. You are mentioning bad kings. You are mentioning who? Uh, Jeroboam. You are mentioning who? Uh, all those ones. Do you know the man that introduced idolatry to Israel? Do you know it was Solomon? Uh-huh. I never heard about it. It was as if that guy, every, he, he actually imported it properly. He imported it from the Egyptians. He imported it from everywhere. And it's as if God never saw it. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. I'm craving for mercy now. I mean, and not to mention, if I later on God kept saying that, uh, that uh, you, you, he was always referring, just as uh, the, one of the contributors said, always referring to Jeroboam as the man that introduced idolatry. It was not Jeroboam, it was Solomon. It was. Why didn't you punish him, God? I will not remove my mercy from him. I'm looking for that covenant. That's what I'm looking for in my life. I'm looking for that covenant, looking for my children, looking for my children, pulling for my brethren, looking that he will enter that with me and say, Chris, Bailey, my mercy will always be with you. Mistake you may make. Errors you may occasionally find yourself into. But you know one thing? I will not take my mercy from you. And so when others are saying it's not fair, Evans will say, mercy. He said, but Lord, why? I mean, he, he has not labored as much as we did. He's trying, but Lord, I labored more than him. The Lord will say, mercy. He said, but you know, God, I've been fasting. This is the third time this year that I will do 40 days without breaking. The Lord will say, mercy. Mercy. And once, once I enter into that covenant, you know, there gets to a stage in your life, you're not looking for little things, you're looking for only one thing. And once you get your hand on that thing, you are sorted. That's what I'm looking for. The moment it strikes that covenant on a personal level, there's a general covenant with everybody. There's a general covenant with the church. But it can, it, when I hear it clearly, and says, son, I started telling me, started telling me along that direction. When I enter into that, when you enter into that, and you know that it is settled forever, it won't make you misbehave. Don't worry yourself. What we make you to do is we give you liberty. Not liberty to sin, but liberty to be yourself in Christ. Because many are walking on eggshell. If I step here, I don't know whether God will punish me. If I step here, I don't know. Even the one that I did when I was in secondary school, is that the one you are visiting on me? Oh, yes. Oh, don't tell me you've never thought like that before. Oh, maybe because of that girl that I carried me, you may say, or that boy. Maybe because of the money you stole. Some people are, you know, if God were to play our record before everybody here today, Within three minutes, this church will be empty. <laughs> the Lord says, what I want to do is that the problem with such proposition is that it usually starts from the head. <laughs> and that's the time I will say I'm considering the head to somebody else. <laughs> because when I travel, Reuben is the one that stays at home. <laughs> I say, for this moment, as the resident... <laughs> If you were to show our past, nobody will stay in this room. We are all standing here because of his mercy. Oh, mercy. It's a benevolent God. Oh, mercy. It's a benevolent God. Because of my time, let me just take you quickly to the second part. 
Let me take you. I remember Romans chapter 9, verse 15, before I forget. It says that I will show mercy unto, prove that up for us. It's very important. It's a very good point for us to move to the second leg of this message. Please don't underrate this message. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't underrate it. I know we're talking about grace and favor, but mercy is another dimension of it. Somebody define it this way, and you've argued with it before. We, you know, we brought that here before, and we've looked at it from different angles. Somebody said grace is when God gives you what you do not deserve. You understand that with me? You don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve blessing. He gives it to us. He said mercy is what? When God does not give you what you deserve. Oh, punishment I deserve, but it's not giving me. Oh, pain I deserve is not giving me. And whatever you are going through, don't think God is punishing you. If you are to punish, you want to punish? I mean, you can discipline you a little bit. But punish? Commensurate punishment? Where will you get it from? If thou shalt mark it trans- our transgressions. Uh-huh. What does it say? Romans chapter 9. I was expecting on the board. That was, I kept talking. All right? For he says to Moses, I will, on whomever I will, and I will have, Compassion on whomever. I mean, I can spend the whole afternoon multiplying example upon example. Why will you, Lord, pray for Peter and not pray for Judas? After all, it was your prayer that did not make Peter to finally blow. In fact, he denied you three times. Judas denied you once. That once was a fatal one, yes, we agree. <laughs> but denied you once. Please, stop. And that takes me to my next second point. What's our first point? What was the first pillar upon which? All right. Now, before I tell you the second point, there cannot be the second without the first. And there cannot be the first without the second. I will prove it to you. The second point is that the first one is the benevolence of God, and the second one is the cry of man. I will explain myself. The prayer or the cry of man. The first one, what do you call the first one? The benevolence of God. And the second one is what? Or the prayer of man. Now, either cannot take place without the first one. And you might be surprised. That's why do I say that? Now, there's no need for the benevolence or the mercy of God if there's no need for mercy in man. So there will be no need for God to come up with this idea called mercy. There's no need for salvation if there's no sinner. If somebody is not lost, you don't need to find them. So there will not have been anything made up in heaven, any virtue, any thinking in the heavens about mercy, if there is no need. So without our need and our cry, mercy will not exist. Of course, if there is mercy and you don't cry for it, of course, mercy will not flow. So both legs are important. So the number two point is the cry of man. Somebody said the cry of man. I said the cry of man. Many of us, we stop crying for mercy. We've been making our cases. I pay my tithe. And God, uh, somebody say hi indeed. And God bless your tithe. I give offering. In actual fact, I built this church. God bless you. But never stand on your righteousness. Turn with me to the scriptures, the basis why you cannot afford to do that. And that's in Luke chapter 17 verse 10. Luke 17 verse 10. If you put that up for us, please. Somebody say Mercy. Do you know today, as the Lord bath in my heart, if you will humble yourself, diseases will be falling off people because you are crying for mercy? Do you know that? Do you know that tomorrow, cause will come, this very week, where they have said there's no way for you concerning your employment? Do you know? Because if you look only to mercy, the source of mercy, do you know the story will change? 
Do you know that guy who was, should have been denied? I mean, the second one, the first one was good. The second one was even better. Of the two testimonies today with the, with the government office concerning, you know, visa and immigration papers. The first one, I mean, if that would have gone onto court, it would have just, we were discussing it. Brother was saying, it's not even a matter of them putting whatever on my desk, by the way. It's a small thing. The most important, it is the collateral damage that will come from that. And they have the discretion to say, because you have broken that law, we give you three years before you apply again. Even after it's spent, it's still discretionary for them. And the laws are not getting any easier anyway. And for some reason, nobody bothered to even check. Nobody, the, the office just forgot about it. And there, the second one declared it. I mean, I've known three people who were the same circumstance like that brother was, in which for some strange reason, they had to allow them to leave out their sentence. I know three, three, three. They, they say they leave out. Thank God they've, they've moved beyond that. They leave it out. One was just a little bit of a speed, uh, breaking a speed limit, and I think it was just about 20, no, about 10, 10 miles above the normal. And put in the application, they gave the rest of the family, they said, no, we're not going to give you. And you had to leave it out. Then this one now, put it there. He has barely spent a year on it, because I remember. And they said, fine, sentence is there, everything is there, but mercy. Mercy. He chooses what he will do. Hallelujah. Let me quickly, because of our time, just run through the areas that man will cry. Amen? Number one. Seek mercy anytime you make a mistake. Don't just be sad or fearful. If you make a statement that is out of tone, rather than beating yourself, why don't you say, ah, Lord, please, just have mercy. Don't let that thing have effect. It should not be more than that. Or you made a major error at work. I mean, in this time when everything is wonderful in the employment arena, when it is glorious in the arena, arena, I mean, just a little bit of a mistake can just mean everything. I mean, no mistake was made, you know, it's, they try to make it hard. But what about if a mistake is made? You just don't need to worry yourself. Had many sessions before, or many times before, when folks come around and, you know, somebody was so afraid, you know, and practically shaking. And why not, you know? It's a big thing, practically affecting maybe the whole database of the company or whatever. Just say, Lord, mercy. They never come back. Just, just overlooked it. Especially, they just, just overlooked it. Huge error. Just overlooked it. So whenever you make a mistake, that's point number one. Please seek, rather than worry, rather than complain, rather than blame others. Just ask for mercy. Just ask for mercy. Number two. Seek mercy when children, spouse, parents, and all those that you know make a mistake. This is very important. Everybody listen carefully. Listen very, very carefully. And I started doing that a few, probably going to a few years now. Whenever people, especially you as a man, if you're a man in the house, say hallelujah. Okay. Uh, let's say a proper man hallelujah now, please. And I single you out because of the importance of what I want to say. Everyone born as a man, there is a special responsibility placed upon us, and I will show you in Numbers chapter 13 in a minute, that if 
somebody around you, especially your children and your wife, make a mistake. You have been given the God-ordained power to stand and nullify that on their behalf. For instance, let's say your wife says something that is maybe should not be said, maybe made a proud statement. And what we tend to do is that the time we begin to preach. Why should you say that? What the Bible expects you to do at that time is to say, in your own heart, right there, right there, without telling the person, Father, I stand in the name of Jesus. Let mercy cover that Lord. Lord, please don't, don't, don't charge that against her. Your children have made an error. Time for correction is coming. Time for instruction is coming. But your number one duty is to stand in the gap and said, Lord, let your mercy deal with this now. Please, Lord, let it not have any effect. Please, Lord, let it not get carried over. Where did I get that from? Let me check, check, show you in Numbers chapter 30. Numbers 30, I'll just try and get exactly where it is. It's a, it's a verse of the Bible that struck me like a bolt many, many years back. And um, I started applying it. Let, let me start from verse 1. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceed out of his mouth. Amen? And so, there's another place that he talks. I can't agree with that. But for even a man, if you make a vow and you know that that vow is going to work against you, it is better you quickly go back unto God, pay part of the vow, ask God to release you from the vow. You can do that. But let's leave the man alone. Let's go to the one I'm talking to you about now. Where am I? Verse 3, or if a woman, listen, makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself by some agreement while in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself, and her father holds her peace, then all her vows shall stand, and every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. But if a father overrules her on the day that he hears, then none of her vows nor agreements by which she has bound herself shall stand, and the Lord will release her because her father overruled her. Number verse 6. If indeed she takes her husband, why bound by her vow or by rash utterance from her lips? By what? Rash utterance. So that means the use of it is now extended into ordinary things the woman says. Instead of fighting her, be strong enough to say, that will not stand. I bring him mercy. And her husband hears it and makes no response to her on the day that he hears and her vow shall stand. Verse 8, finally, if her husband overrules her on the day that he hears it, he shall make void her vow which she took and what she uttered with her lips, by which she bound herself, and the Lord will release her. Number three points. What's number one? Seek mercy anytime you yourself you make an error. Seek mercy for your children, for your spouse, for your family. Number three, seek mercy for your enemies. That is where the hard one is. Seek what? Seeking mercy for your enemy does not mean your enemy will get mercy. It only means you will get blessed. 
Because God determines who he shows mercy. Remember Romans chapter 9? But it's your duty to do what? To seek mercy. When this man was praying, Acts chapter 17, um, what was his name again? Let me try and get that reference for you. It should be seven. When this guy was killed and he prayed, Stephen, you remember? I think it's verse 60 towards the end. Acts 7, 60. What does he say? Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, what? Do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Do not charge them with this sin. I won't talk more on that one, but I plead with you for your own sanity and blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I know, I know, I know, I know you need to fight your battle, but we rest not against flesh and blood. The mere fact that your human enemy died, that does not mean that the spirit working that enemy will still not continue to operate. And anyway, what I love most is Psalm 23, verse 5. He said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my call runs over. I don't know why David said he should prepare the table in the presence of enemy. Why do you set table in presence of where, where do you normally set your banquet table? Before your friends. He's telling us that the greatest harrow to the heart of your enemies of prosperity. I walk around this time, I walk around this world as young as I am. I've noticed something. There are some people that I have become eyesore unto. They see me, there's a pain in their heart. Is still doing well. Somebody make a mistake somewhere. I was talking about some of the things the Lord was doing in our midst, and went to go and tell somebody who is not well disposed to me at all. I say, ah, I didn't send you that errand. And the man came back and he said, ah, what is the matter? The way the person reacted, I say, ah, there are some places you don't share some stories. I said, maybe God allowed him to hear. There are people who have said that by now you may not be living. Then you walk back to your village, not only living, but doing very well. And they are alive to see it. There's nothing harder than that. So that's why, don't waste your time praying for the demise of your enemy. Pray that God, and anyway, if the enemy dies, there may not be petals for you to even be made to do well so that they can, because they're to see it. I don't know whether you get my logic. <laughs> because the main thing, the way God asks is that he wants the enemy to see it. So if the enemy is not there, the Lord says, okay, let's extend it. Especially if the enemy is going to die soon. God will quickly do it soon. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you should pray you should die soon so that you can do it soon. <laughs> I'm getting myself in a, in a knot now. But you got my point. Seek mercy for your enemy. And usually it leads to a higher level. Because out of the same source, curses and blessings should not come. You know the Lord never cursed anybody. And do I feel tempted to curse? Not curse like that, but to make harsh pronouncement on people, of course. Unless I've not lived. Unless my life has not mattered at all. Unless I've not tried to achieve anything. Because if you have, you will face enemy. People will just, they just don't, they just can't stick you doing well. They just hate you doing well. And those are the ones God has said, you know what? I will tell them that I'm God. And uh, everywhere they visited, I know people who 
I've started changing their view about Christianity because of what God is doing in my life. And I may look as if I've never got, I've never got scars. They might not be visible, but there are scars. There are plenty of scars. And I may not talk about them every day, but there are scars. There are things I still look back, I wish. Not of, not of my own doing, but because people resisted and insisted that that is not the way of progress for me. But you are standing today. And you know I'm standing too. You know we are standing. And you know we shall continue to stand. We shall continue to enjoy that mercy of God. We shall continue to seek that mercy of God. For ourselves and even for the least desirable person. And the name of our God shall be glorified. Rise on your feet with me and let us pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What I, what I believe the Lord wants to do in our lives is to change the paradigm of our operation beginning from this month. That is, from this month forward, our mode of operation will be that mercy mode. You know? After you've done all you need to do, oh, pray, we need to pray, and pray a lot, more than we've ever done. Fast, we need to fast, fast more than ever before. I mean, this month that I'm teaching mercy to the special glory of God, I mean, you don't need to know that I'm doing. I'm, God is helping me to go through what is called the means of grace. We've mentioned it before. The means of grace, study the word, uh, fasting, prayer, giving alms, and all the rest of that. I mean, more intense than ever before. And with all that, God is just saying his mercy. So don't get me wrong. Is somebody on the same page with me? Somebody on the same page with me? So don't get me wrong. But God wants to inculcate that into us. That we shall be evidence of his mercy. And the world through you and I will declare that God in this is a merciful God. And of course, there's nowhere to start but in our Christian journey with him. We've made errors, we've made mistakes, you know, you've gone into things you should not have gone into. Rather than start defending yourself or making excuses, and we make some silly excuses sometimes, you know, make some silly excuses sometimes. Why? Why, why didn't you, you know, incredible things. And it's because he said that that's why I did that. Uh, I did that because she didn't do that. You know? It's because we don't understand mercy. We understand mercy, all those excuses will not be there. So you will stop making excuses. Now you hear what I'm saying? You will just say, mercy, Lord. All that I've done wrong, even though that person deserved it, but yet at the end of the day, I'm asking for your mercy. And so whichever place you are, spiritually speaking, Will you please just ask this most high God for mercy over your life? Will you just ask him and say, Lord, mercy, show me mercy, oh God. Show me mercy. Two prayer points only we have. I'll give you about two minutes to pray it in your own way. Just pray it in your own way. That Lord, when I wake up, when I go to bed, make me a special subject of mercy. That the world we know that the Lord God of heaven and earth is a merciful, a gracious, and he abounds in mercy. Psalm 103 verse 8. Just call on him, brother. Call on him, sister. Call on him, friend. Call on him. Call on this great and mighty God. The one whose name is the merciful one. Lift up our voices and let's plead with him. Lord, I pray for my life. As I've been seeking nothing but to behold your mercy like never before. Lord, visit me with your mercy in a special way. 
Turn my life around, oh God. Let my life be a subject of your mercy. Look at wheresoever you think you are struggling. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Pray from your heart. Pray from your heart. Just let it be genuine prayer. And we rather you, you say something unto God rather than say nothing. Whether you say it silently, whether you say it audibly, and with some passion, it doesn't matter for this kind of prayer. The main thing is that you are genuinely asking for the mercy of God. What the Lord promised me is that His presence will be so strong in this place today, there will be much conviction in the house. And I will leave that to the Holy Spirit, my God, to do right now. To bring conviction upon everyone who has been hiding, who has been making excuses, but to fling himself or herself into the hand of the living God, right into the mercy seat. And he will forgive and cleanse and make whole again. Oh, you're even afraid. How will you retrace your step? How will I go back to what I should have done or shouldn't have done? Leave that with the merciful God. He will sort it out himself. He will fix it himself. There's no unrighteousness in him. There's no evil in him. Oh yes, stop all the Christianese and all the, you know, spiritual jargon, not quite spiritual, but religious jargon that we speak to cover our feelings and our unrighteousness. Just say, Lord mercy, you know where you are, wherever it is. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, making excuses for the constant loss you are having. Yes, the roving eye. The Lord says, throw yourself. Just say, Lord, show me mercy and fix me and sort me out. My excuses will not wash. It will mean nothing unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We give you honor and praise, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. I want you to pray one final prayer. I want you to pray that prayer that we prayed from First Chronicles. I think chapter 17 or so. The Lord, do not remove your mercy from me. Lord, no matter what, do not remove your mercy from me. Do not remove your mercy from my children. Do not remove your mercy from my lineage. He said, I'm the Lord who showed mercy. He first said, he visits iniquity unto the third and fourth generation, but showed mercy unto one who fears him and loves him. So you will cry and say, Father... In the name of Jesus, please, Lord, please, Father, do not remove your mercy from me. Never take your mercy from my family. Never take your family from my mercy from my lineage. In the name of the Lord Jesus, pray that one with all passion. Pray that one with all conviction. Oh, it's been my heart cry. The Lord, irrespective. He said concerning Solomon, if he makes error, I will correct him and I will put him back on the right way. For me and all those, oh God, who are, you have given unto me in biological responsibility and even in spiritual responsibility as father over. My God, my father, we not remove his mercy from you. Whenever you err, he will draw you back himself. Because you have come out of this covenant, either biologically or spiritually, I pronounce over you all, the Lord God of Israel, he will not remove his mercy from you. The mercy is healing you right now. 
Their mercy is sorting your career out right now. Their mercy is bringing forgiveness and restoration back to you right now. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Mercy, oh God of mercy. Oh Lord God of mercy. Father, mercy, mercy, oh God. This week, prove unto us one more time. Glad in our heart, oh God, by many testimonies of mercy that will be coming in by next Sunday. Yes, Lord, I don't deserve that baby somebody is saying, but the mercy the Lord asked me to tell you, the mercy is on your way. I don't deserve it, Lord. I'm not making any claim unto it. It does not matter what my parents have done, what my ancestors have done. One thing matters. Mercy, 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 mercy. Thy healing, Lord, we don't deserve it, but Lord, by your mercy, that deliverance, oh God, we don't worth it, we're not worth it, we are not qualified for it. Only the blood and the speaking of the mercy by the blood. Cry unto God, another 30 seconds. Call them mercy over your situation. Mercy is the means, the porter, the road unto our miracles today. Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Lift up your voice and cry that. Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Thou Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy upon me. Oh, yes, Zacchaeus received his sign. He received his finances. He received his breakthrough. Based on thou son of David, have mercy. Have mercy on your church. Have mercy on us, oh God. Hallelujah. Begin to bring your prayer to a close. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I believe you have prayed. I believe you have prayed. Have you prayed? Have you sought the Lord for mercy? I can assure you by the Spirit of the living God, mercy you will receive in the name of Jesus. And that begins today. I say that begins today. You will step into the bright sun and mercy will meet you on the way. You will go behind your closed door and mercy will be waiting for you in your bedroom. Your Monday morning at work or in your house when you are still expecting that job, your visitation shall be a visitation of mercy. Somebody say mercy. Thou son of David, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Oh Lord, have mercy. You never turn your ears away from the cry of mercy. Every argument can be can have answers unto before you. But the argument for mercy, you have decided to have no response to it. Your only response is get it. Therefore, everybody, get your mercy right now in the name of Jesus. I say receive your mercy right now. And it's a new day for you in the name of Jesus. One more time, say, I receive mercy. Oh, you are not standing convincing. Say it, let every realm of existence hear it. Oh, I shout, I say, I receive mercy. In the name of Jesus. And I see diseases falling off you right now. 
I see that hindrance getting out of your life right now. I see that barrier being removed right now. Because the God of mercy is here. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Oh, if you're excited, shout a better hallelujah. Give him praise. Make a shout. Amen. 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 Just be seated very briefly, please. Just be seated very briefly. Hallelujah.